If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, you're going to have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lazarus Jackson, and tonight I'm being joined by Nicholas Henkel of the uh, Bun and Cardigan podcast and the Detroit Pistons Twitter champion. What's up, Nick? I. It's so funny that you introduced me like that because it was probably it was at halftime. Actually, I was letting my dog out, and I thought to myself. I'm not on a lot of shows, but the one show that I was on a few months ago, I asked them to introduce me as the Pistons Twitter champion because I was really excited <laughs> about it. And um, since then, nobody has. I'm the only one who ever brings that up. So thank you very much for doing that. <laughs> that was that no, was great. Um, it's in the bio. Like, yes! if I don't know what to introduce you as. I just steal from your Twitter bio. I assume yeah. that's like what you want to show to the world. So. Yeah. Um, and well-deserved, honestly. Yeah. You know, it was it was crazy because it was it was literally during that same train of thought that I had that I was thinking about the fact that, you know, the, the this is a really convoluted train of thought. So I'll get it out quick. But how the Detroit Pistons are unfollowing a bunch of fans. And I thought to myself, if they ever do that to me. Hey, man, I I was the reason that Blake Griffin gave away a signed jersey. I was the reason that Luke Kennard gave away a pair of signed shoes um, on my way to winning the Pistons Twitter championship. So um I hope that my my good deeds don't go unnoticed, and I hope that they continue to follow me. But also, again, uh, phenomenal introduction. No, you you absolutely are deserving of it. I think the Pistons Twitter account followed me at one point. They don't currently. Oof. I'm not going to get tied up about it because... Uh, yeah, it's not that big. Well, yeah, I don't I don't I don't particularly care. I don't I'm not getting as bent out of shape about it if it does happen yeah. the way that everybody else is. I'm going to flip the script a little bit. I have a question for you. Shoot. And it's Pistons related, don't worry. Okay. I believe it was literally this morning you had tweeted um that you were kind of hoping for some sort of an update on Killian. It had been 2 weeks and you're like, "Hey, kind of weird. We haven't heard anything." Um sure enough, just within a few hours uh, the Pistons release a statement and they're like, Hey, eight weeks, we're going to reevaluate. He's in, uh, he's going to rehab a little bit. So you called that, right? You willed that into existence. What I'm asking since apparently you have powers is give me something kind of small and trivial about the Pistons that you would like to speak into existence next. Like give us, give us something. I would like DeLon Wright to take like 15 shots in the game. Just okay. see what happens. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, I like that one. Just and not like every night, obviously, because yeah, but one game, just like let's get the like 28 point, you know, 17 shot DeLon Wright night. Sure, like, why not? I think that would be fun. Now, what's dangerous is that actually might happen now, and people are going to lose their minds because that won't be very fun, but but it also <laughs> could be like, but but there's there's a world in which there is like the reason um, I, I don't remember. I think he there was a game earlier this year. DeLon Wright puts up 18, five and five. And I said that he had like the most um, DeLon Wright played the most Jaleel Okafor of Bobby Portis games in the NBA tonight. What I was getting at is like, I don't remember who coined the phrase, but the, the any given night all stars. I think 
DeLon Wright is probably on that team. I think Jaleel Okafor is on that team. I think Bobby Portis is on that team. Guys who are going to give you a stellar performance, um, you know, one night. Randomly. Randomly, right? Like every 14 days they'll have that game. And then for the next 14 days, you're kind of just, you're mad at them perpetually, but you're kind of coasting off of that. Well, remember when he gave us 18, five and five until it happens again. And then you're back on the DeLon Wright train. So if he's putting up 15 shots in a game, there's that, there's that room for like, uh, okay, this might be his night. So you kind of live with it. Yeah. Anybody with like more than like three or four videos of on down to buck in the same season, <laughs> like belongs on that list. Yeah, absolutely. Reggie Bullock. When Reggie Bullock exploded the year, uh, the year with Blake, like when he was first breaking out, sure. he was like, he got like five videos in a row. <laughs> it was like, Oh, like, Hey, like Reggie Bullock's play well. And I know, yeah. Yeah. Because he's got like six down to buck videos for no reason. They are a great way to kind of brush up on players that you don't know a lot about. Exactly. And I always really appreciate that. Like <gasps> once, um, sorry, my dog's barking. Someone's walking around outside. Once, um, once Dylan Windler comes back for Cleveland, I think, I think he's going to have a lot of, a lot of clips on there. And I'm really excited for that. Um, also shout out to Colin Sexton, but um, <gasps> yeah. That's it. Just big Dylan Windler guy. I just wanted to give him a shout out. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we should probably talk about tonight's game. Yes. Do, do you want to talk about tonight's game? Actually, it's not like it was super fun. No, I mean here. Here's what I'll say. Um, I th- I believe that was Detroit's third overtime game this season. Um, we played one against Cleveland. We lost that one. I don't recall mm-hmm. what the next one was, but there was definite. Oh, it was Phoenix. I think. Yes. I think it was Phoenix. Not a win. Yeah, that yeah. was and that was a win. Um, and then tonight against Atlanta. Um, I think you said it. I think I just saw you tweeted it. I I, I just don't like us going to overtime because I don't enjoy watching this team for more than forty eight minutes. Right? <laughs> like like it's funny, but I'm also I'm dead serious. Like I get to the end of the fourth quarter and like I just I just kind of want it to be over. Um, if they were going to lose, I kind of would have preferred that they would have done it in regulation. Um, the manner with which they did it is obviously frustrating, um, completely giving up. I think running a zone, the reason that it's obviously so effective is because we have a lot of guys who can't move very well defensively, but it also, it, it allows you to hide Blake as best as you can. Um, and it works right. And, and Casey, I think mentioned, um, I think it was maybe last week that it also allows them to communicate, uh, more effectively. And I think that was on display for the most part. It felt like in the first half along the perimeter, obviously we were getting, getting eaten alive inside by Capella and Collins. Um, I think Clint Capella ended up getting what, like 26 and 23, something ridiculous. John Collins went for like 30 and 10, Um, you know, and then in the second half, it was Trey young who had 21 in the third. And and maybe it was just me not paying attention, but did it feel like the quietest 21 and a quarter you've ever seen? Well, that's what happens when you shoot a lot of free throws. Those those add up quickly, sure. right? It doesn't feel like he scored twenty because he's not like dropping bombs on people's faces. Like when he when he made that thirty footer in overtime to kind of seal things away, put him up what six? I think with yep. like a minute it was to go. Six. Yep. Yeah, it's like that. That was like the first like holy crap like Trey Young like highlight moment of the night as far as I can like think of. And it was a shot that he had actually taken earlier in the game. Um, and it felt like it was even further back than the one that he actually made. Um, and I was watching the Hawks broadcast and Dominic Wilkins was beside himself. He was furious <laughs> that Trey young would take that shot. Um, and also like plum Lee gets met at the rim three times tonight. Um, you know, I, I, 
he's kind of on this this trajectory where it's like I don't know by the end of his three years because I imagine he'll he'll probably play out if not all three years of his contract I'd say a good seventy five percent of it. Um, I don't know where Pistons fans are going to be with him by the end of it because I think it was James Edwards actually that pointed this out. I think we were all kind of thinking it, but the guy is so good at making shots when he's not looking at the rim, like whether it's like the no look dunks, you know, like from right under the rim um, or if it's like he hit a reverse layup tonight, which was wild. Uh, Sometimes he's kind of flashy with his passes and overall, he's just a, a really smart basketball player. He honestly is. But then he is kind of slow, like on his, on his dunks. He like, he kind of takes off a little bit too far from the basket. So it allows defenders to sort of make up for it. Right. Um, and yeah. he, it feels like he gets swatted a lot. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like, I'm really curious to see where this relationship goes with Plum Lee. And I said that I enunciated that really weird um, moving forward. And I think tonight was perfectly indicative of that because he, he certainly had his moments, but more often than not, it felt like it was kind of like, Oh, Mason Plum Lee. I don't know. Yeah. He's not as bouncy as I was hoping he was like, he'll sure. finish lobs, but like he's only finishing open lobs like he's not dunking on people well he had the nice dunk on bam that was pretty nice yes. but like that was nice because we had literally never seen anything like that in the previous 13 games that they've played and sure. i it's gonna take another 25 games before he busts something out like that again and so yeah i mean i think he'll he'll be all right right he was signed to be a perfectly adequate uh average starting level center I think you will fulfill that role and like hopefully two, three years down the line, you are able to find somebody honestly probably better than he will be when he's 33 or whatever. Sure. And so it's, it's, it's less of a hassle, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in, in terms of, I think positive notes about tonight, I think it goes without say it was, I'd say for the better part of regulation, it was probably the best showing that we've seen from Blake. Um, athletically speaking, um, or like movement wise, I don't know how to articulate it, but I, there was there were two possessions. Um, one of them really excited me. One of them baffled me. Both were in the second half. Both took place actually on the left wing. The one that excited me was Blake Griffin catches the ball um, on the left wing, and he gets John Collins to, to, to bite on a pump fake. And he waits for him to come down, and then he starts posting him up, right? He takes him to the elbow, takes a few steps in, um, He's in the lane and he hits John Collins with an up and under and it actually went in. And it was like, like I, Blake Griffin's scoring just makes me smile. Like just seeing the ball go in for him just makes me smile. And it felt like that was a, a really strong Blake Griffin post up, um, you know, starting from the three point line and actually working his way to the rim. And it, it looked really, it really solid. The one that upset me was um, once again from the left wing uh, catches the ball and he has a really good look from three with a closing Trey Young um, on the move. So it was like, take the shot right now. He doesn't. And then he starts to post up Trey Young and then settles for an 18-foot fall away um, shot, which obviously rims out. And that that kind of bothered me. But for the most part, would you agree that the way that Blake was moving, it felt like his elevation was kind of there as well? Um, obviously, you know, people have been, you know, dogging him for to start the season, but Casey pointed it out and Omari and Rod and James are kind of the echo chamber. Like the guy didn't play for a year and he has a completely new role with this team. And it was always going to take him a little bit of uh, time to get reacclimated to the situation. 
Um, we saw it a little bit in Miami. I think he's finally starting to get there. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't bring up the and one, which was also oh, the and one. on the yes, last line, right? Yes, yes. The up and yeah, under, and yeah, yeah. The up and under and one where it looked like is like initially it's like, oh, crap, Blake's finally going to dunk because he yeah. hasn't had a dunk this year yeah. because it was only Trey Young in the way. And it's like, oh, crap, John Collins is like coming from help <laughs> from the weak side. This is going to end poorly. And then he like flips the up and under, gets the and one. Uh, I, I think that was that was one of only 14 points they scored in the fourth quarter, but it was yeah. still pretty nice. FSD immediately like tweets out the highlight because they know that like anything Blake Griffin hits and it's like, Oh, okay. Like, Hey, good things still happen when Blake is willing to attack the rim aggressively and like put his body on the line. Sure. It's just like, will he make the conscious decision to do that all the time? And the answer appears to be no. And I really can't blame him. Yeah. I mean, Here's the thing, and I guess maybe this isn't as much of a victory as I would like it to be. It it still feels and looks like he's engaged with this team. You get that sense too, right? Like he, yeah, no, absolutely. The, the fire is still there. I think, I think it would be very easy for him to just kind of check out, right? Um, but it's it's nice to know that he's still going to be there for us in the ways that he can. Um, it always is just sort of a matter of like, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible. Like, can you still? play like is it is it still there and um you know like like i kind of mentioned a minute ago obviously he had such a long layoff without playing proper organized ball um and it it slowly feels like it's starting to come back i i it breaks my heart like it it really genuinely does yeah no i'm actually wanted to ask you about this like you are you bill yourself more as like a fan than uh a guy who like sits down and like uh analyzes like every single aspect of what's going on sure uh you're known more for like your passion and like the post game videos so like but that also gives you a lot of insight into what fans are thinking right like you you get a lot of reply guys like telling you like what they're thinking about what's going on with the pistons yeah so something that i've noticed in my reply guys is just like zero sympathy for blake considering that like we know essentially he donated his left leg to the playoff run. And you can't help but wonder, like you can't help but think like that's part of the reason why he looks the way he does now. So why do you think fans like don't have any sympathy or don't have more sympathy for, for Blake right now? Well, the NBA, and I don't, I guess it's maybe not exclusive to the NBA. I, I think it's, it's really the four major sports, but it's a, what have you done for me lately business? Right. So, um, Pistons fans haven't seen Blake do anything quote unquote productive in terms of what their expectations are for him um, since April of 2018, right? Like it's, it's really been that long. Um, he came back preseason last year. No, um, didn't come back until I think game number 10 of last year and, and played what a month and, and it, and it clearly wasn't there. We haven't seen Blake be the Blake that we thought we were getting or, you know, that we saw him, uh, uh, transcend into um, in, in a considerably long time. And I think people are longing for that. And it's been, it's been such a tremendous amount of time that I think there's almost some resentment it feels like. And I think, you know, like you said, there's no sympathy whatsoever. Like there are some pretty vile things said about him um, and Derek Rose, depending on how he plays like it. it uh, and I, I know I'm not going to name names, but 
there are people on Pistons Twitter who, um, you know, one night it'll be like Derrick Rose is amazing. And then the next night they're like, get this bum off my team. And it's not it's not exclusive to Pistons Twitter, right? Everybody has it. Um, mm-hmm. If if you feel offended by that, then if the shoe fits, I guess. But um, it's pretty frustrating and especially for Blake. And if I can get away with a, a shameless plug, um, as you mentioned at the top, James Edwards and I um, of The Athletic, a friendly neighborhood beat writer, and I started um, a podcast um, and we actually talked about it. I should probably name the podcast, The Bun and Cardigan Show. We actually talked about it in the most recent episode, you know, how quickly they forget um, about what Blake Griffin did for us. And like you just said, he, he really did like play himself into a situation where we're having this conversation of, can he physically play basketball? Like, can he do this for another five years? And I guess that's even the question that I have for you now is in five years, like, where do you think Blake Griffin is? I wondered, I talked to James about this a little bit prior to the season started. So we, you know, we hadn't seen him at all. And I still think Blake can be a like Paul Millsap type sure. for a good team. Um, you securely lock down like 25 minutes of solid offense. Blake's still a really, really good passer. Right. And the passing will never age because, you know, you don't have to move to be able to pass. Sure. Um, I can definitely see him having a role as like anchoring a, a bench lineup offensively in that way. It uh, covers for him defensively, like bench lineups, like don't have the talent to, to stretch him out and make him move and pick and rolls and stuff. You won't get killed that way. But like, again, that's a bench, a bench guy on a good team. Like he can do that for a while. Sure. Um, but the Pistons are a bad team and he is not coming off the bench. And so, like, he is not in what I think his, like, ultimate destiny in the NBA, like, lies in right now. And so that's that's rough on him because that's a mental adjustment, right? He's Blake MFing Griffin. Sure. Right? Like, it's 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 got to be really hard to mentally come to a place where uh, you're just, like, in a different stage of your career. And it happened uh, – it doesn't feel like it happened overnight, but it happened, like, over the course of a year. And you couldn't play – organized basketball for what like 10 out of the 10 months out of that year so you know you're just now discovering this yourself and uh he still got you know 39 million dollars left on the final year of that contract it's like he he hadn't did you read the uh the new york times profile that he had that man's gone yeah i i and you know what and I'm, I'm sorry, that's my answer of yes. That's my way of saying yes, I did read it. Um, you know, I, I read it and and he never really explicitly said like, yeah, I'm going to leave Detroit because right. I want to win. And but it's it not was... even like he's like, I hate Detroit. It sucks right. here. Like, it's more like this isn't what I saw for myself at this right. stage in my life. Right. And and that's OK. You can't be mad at him right there about that. Right. Like you can't slight him. Um, for sort of having the presence of mind to, you know, self um, um, uh, analyze or, um, you know, just just look at like you just said, where you are in your career and think like I have kind of I, I think the quote was something to the effect of like I've done the accolades thing, like I want to do the winning part of it now. Um, mm-hmm. And and that that's I think where I don't remember who I had this conversation with, but the question kind of comes up. You look at this free agency class coming up. Um, and Blake Griffin has a player option. Now, smart money may say 
I had, what's his player option worth? It's it's like 40 million, right? I think you just 39, said 30. Yeah. yeah, 39 million. Um, smart money would be on him probably picking that up because that's a lot of money. But I look at it like, you know, because the free agency class went from like, oh, wow, 2021 is actually pretty good to, oh, all these guys signed extensions. Now it's not that great. Do you just kind of think of the Gordon Hayward situation a little bit? Whereas like he had all this guaranteed money, it was almost a no brainer that he was going to resign and or, you know pick it up in Boston, and then he, um, you know, self. Um, I, I keep what I'm, I'm blanking on what word I'm looking for, but he looked at his situation and decided he wanted to continue to bet on himself. And the whole Boston thing was a train wreck from what two minutes into its its um, opening yeah. in Cleveland, um, and it was just never the same. And because it was such a lackluster market, Gordon Hayward's kind of a premier name on this market, right? And Charlotte's able to pay him all this money and go get him. Sort of like the way that Phoenix tried to um, in 2017 originally. I'm sorry, 2016 originally. No, it was 17. They were going to pay Blake like $201 million before the Clippers, you know. So then you look at Blake Griffin in this upcoming class. I hope this is making some sense. No, it absolutely does. And... Uh especially after all the extensions inside and stuff, like you said. Right. I just think, you know, is Blake Griffin a, a premier name? Well, speaking relatively in this upcoming market, it kind he kind of is a little bit. The problem is that a team that can actually is actually, you know, built structured to win now um, probably won't have the money for him. So he won't be getting the, you know, Gordon Hayward sign, sized contract that he got. Um, but the principle of it, I think, is still there. And I'd be really curious to see um, if it happens. And if it does, I, I do not think anybody can be mad. I, I truly don't think. And people could be like, well, you could have traded him if you knew you're going to. What were you going to get for him? I mean, really, what what do you think you were going to get for Blake? If he opts out, I'm not I'm not mad about it. Um, you know, if he opts in. You know, I know people were having comments and I know I'm I'm talking a lot here, Laz. I'm sorry. I know this is your no, show. No, but- you're fine. You know, I know that, and I apologize, I don't remember who it was. Somebody was saying that they think the odds are stronger that um, Blake Griffin re-signs in Detroit than anything else. And at the time, I kind of thought to myself, I don't think that's insane. And then, Laz, as you said, the New York Times story, which was actually really interesting. Like, I was I was really interested in all of it. I think that it was that was probably, what, like three or three or four weeks ago that that came out, but... Um, yeah, I don't know if, you know, when, and if he leaves, I, I will have nothing but love for him forever. No, absolutely. We're no one's going to remember the bad times when, when Blake leaves. Right. Um, I think the thing, like, I have also thought about the Gordon Hayward, uh, like opting out and taking some money player option thing. Al Horford also did that, uh, two summers ago now. Um, so like it, there is, there is a precedent. It has happened before. Al Horford, I think, was older than Blake is now at the time that that occurred. Um, Gordon Hayward also kind of on the back half of his career. So it's not unheard of. But, um, yeah, I think it's trickier because Blake, it's going, because Blake is making more than those guys were, it's going to be harder for him to make up, like, the the gap in, like, sure. potential earnings. Sure. Like, I'd, I'd, he's going to make $39 million that uh final year i don't know if he gets offered he could get offered like four years like you know know, or three years like 50 million right is that is that 11 million enough 
over the course of three years? Right. I, I don't know. I like, think honestly. it's circumstantial, right? What if he yeah. ends up in, um, let's just, pl- I'm just throwing it. What, what if he ends up in Denver? Would he do that? Would yeah, you take that significant, that sizable uh, pay cut if you're playing in a team like Denver? What if it's Phoenix? Let's change it to Phoenix. Oh, that'd be interesting. Reunite like, with CP3. Exactly. Maybe they, um, I don't know, maybe they, I, I don't remember what Sarge's contract looks like right now, but let's say they lose him for whatever reason, and then they want to replace him with Blake. You know, what's that look like? And then, like I mentioned before, Phoenix was sort of the front runner all along before he ended up re-signing in, in, uh, in LA and then getting subsequently getting traded to Detroit. Like Phoenix was the team that he was going to go to anyways. So yeah, reuniting with CP and then going back to Phoenix, like the pay cut I think is going to be circumstantial um, to the team, to you, right? To the team and yeah. to the situation. I also I don't totally think it's a foregone conclusion that he does come back, just because like that is a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're still going to be a free agent the following year. Um, I think that there's so much that you have to take into consideration. Obviously, if you're Blake, um, I think if he gets hurt again, God God forbid, if something happens to him again, I think he'll opt in. But if he goes into the offseason healthy, I'd expect him to to opt out. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about that, that could be part of the reason why we're seeing him take it easy a lot of these nights. It would mean a lot for him to go into this offseason perfectly healthy, as healthy as he could be after a full season of work. And I'm sure that uh, we will see his minutes load decrease as the season goes on, just because the the desire to like start strong or like w- keep stay competitive will be less so in like may than it is right now. I have sure. to believe that. Yeah. Um, you know, this is something that James and I've, I don't think we said it on a show. I think we were just talking privately about Ooh, it. But... Here we go. Fresh, fresh stuff. Let's go. <laughs> um, I, I think it's something that we've even since both of us have since tweeted. So I don't, <laughs> it's not that interesting, but maybe if, if not, if, if I'm misremembering or if, you know, you didn't see it, um, you know, you got to play Blake and Derek now so that teams know that they're trade they're like that they're tradable and that, you know, there's actually something to acquire with them. Um, and, you know, if that ends up being the case, which you're I think the odds are probably a million to one that both of them get moved. But in a, in a, in a world, in an alternate timeline where they do both get traded, both Blake and Derek. You're going to stop complaining pretty quick when you get the Sekou, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Svi lineup that you've wanted all along, right? Because at that point, like all bets are off. It's it's chaos in Detroit and it's everyone's going to love it. Or at least they think they will. Yeah. Um, I, you know, <laughs> there's you people put a lot of stock in lineups with sub 23 year olds. I promise you it's not good basketball. You want to know why Dwayne Casey played vets tonight in overtime? Because they wanted to win the game. There's a reason Sadiq's not playing a lot in these last few games. It's because he's kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. That's it. Like, he earned his minutes, and that's why he was playing as much as he did. He even started, what, two or three games, I think. Was closing pretty much all of them. And then all of a sudden, he wasn't shooting. Right. Played, played really well in the Phoenix game. Yep. And then all of a sudden, he's not shooting 45% from three anymore, which was an anomaly in and of itself. But now he's kind of starting to come back down to like 33%. It's like, okay, well, let's get some other bodies out there, right? right. Um, I, I do understand the frustration of like, why does Svi only come in like halfway through the third? Like, wh- why doesn't he play the first half? That part, I I empathize with people a lot there. I don't really get that part at all. Well, 
the thing the thing initially was like why is Wayne starting right because right. no one no one projected Wayne to play serious minutes for this team like going into the season even after all the roster restructuring and, and, and wheeling and dealing happened and so like you figured Svi would be in that spot you figured Sadiq would be in that spot you figured Josh Jackson would be in that spot and all those guys have kind of uh you know at, at times lineup um, roulette Casey's figuring it out man yeah but like Wayne Ellington is playing so well yeah that it's imp- I tweeted this during the game he's playing so well it's hard not to play not him to play him yeah. yeah yeah and he's one of the few guys who has like pre-existing chemistry with Blake which is pretty important like I don't know if you've seen these like there was like a there was like a Sadiq Blake DHO that like went terribly uh against Oh God! Uh, probably against Miami, and I was just like, "Yeah, this isn't this isn't gonna work." Yeah, yeah. You know, you bring up dribble handoffs. Here's a question: Can we see something other than that, or pick and rolls? Can we maybe get let's let's throw out a horn set, run some flares? I I've been encouraged by the creativity they show in getting Jeremy Grant the ball. I agree with like, that. They, yeah. they were running some flare stuff for Jeremy Grant uh, tonight. Tweeted about that. Um, there were obvious times, um, earlier in the game, not in the fourth quarter, which is very frustrating, uh, earlier in the game where they were like, Oh, Hey, Solomon Hill is guarding you. Just like, go at that dude. He's like, okay. (laughs) And he did right to, to great value. Um, Jeremy scored all nine points in overtime. The Atlanta Hawks scored more than nine points in overtime, but you, you see the, the versatility of his offensive like repertoire. And they have to keep taking advantage of that. But other guys like don't have that versatility, right? Blake can't score off flare screens. Right. No, for sure. Heroes doesn't score off flare screens. Like sure. Yeah, I I don't disagree a hundred percent. And I think you know one of my favorite things I I don't even know if I think it's really easy to sort of have this like retrospective view of it where I loved it so much. The reality I think is that it actually made me mad more often than not. But if it, the ball went in, I loved it. 2018, 2019, Blake Griffin, right? The, the, the Blake that we all came to know and love. He would always fake dribble handoffs. And then like along the, um, in the corners. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then he would do those step backs and it was always infuriating. Like I thought it was a bad shot every single time, but if it went in, I was like, okay, Here's a little fun fact. Here's something that you don't know. Here's here's a little here's a conversation I can let you in on. Um, this was I don't know I don't know how many months ago. Luke Kennard was still a Piston, so that's how, just take that. That's obviously within the last few years, but it was within the last year. I was talking to Luke, and I go, I, I go, what is it like getting a dribble handoff from Blake? And he's like, it's amazing. He's literally like the best screener I've ever played with. I go, um, I go when he fakes it. Like, do you know? Like, do you like do you guys kind of like talk a little bit and on the opposite end? Blake's like, hey, I'm going to fake this. You know, do this, do that. And Luke's like, I literally never knew. Like, he faked me on it. If it was like I was always genuinely faked and then he would obviously <laughs> step back. I thought that was really interesting, um, you know, getting that insight. And like he's like, people don't understand, like, how good Blake is um, just sort of as a playmaker when you're one of his teammates. So I thought that that was really interesting. Um, obviously, always had great things to say about Blake, but I always, I thought I, I've, I think about that all the time. I, whenever I see Blake do a DHO, I always think of that conversation. If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed or elite playmaking ability, you're going to have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. 
Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements, or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, that's, that's fun insight that like, you know, I wasn't talking to Luke. I didn't know that. So yeah, I got, I, I, I got stories. I got a lot of stories, but <laughs> I can't tell them all on here. No, I no. You got to save some for your podcast. Yeah. I mean, speaking, speaking of your podcast, I actually legitimately wanted to ask you about this. Sure. What, what made you like want to do a podcast with James? Like, obviously there's chemistry there, but you signed yourself up for like twice a week content. Yeah. Like what made you want to do that? So, um, there are a few things. So we, we, we did talk about it, um, at the start of our, of our inaugural episode, uh, which dropped again on Monday. Uh, we will have another episode dropping, uh, what day is today? Wednesday, this Friday, this upcoming Friday, we'll have another one. But so I hosted a show called shoot the J, um, for about a year. Technically it was like three years, but I wasn't on Apple. I used to only be on SoundCloud. It's a long story. Um, so, I mean, but, I've, we've we've all been there when like yeah. you're first writing your podcast. Yeah, I, I get yeah, you. you like don't know where to distribute it. Yeah, you can't get on Apple. You can't. Um, so for like the last year, I was hosting, uh, you know, shoot the J by myself, um, real you know quick hitter episodes because I value people's attention and I know that people don't want to listen to. It. Like I work very hard to get it for two minutes and twenty seconds on Twitter, and I barely get that. So, um, yeah, you're. I I got to like I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you like now. I'm gonna interrupt you and take over my own podcast to compliment you. Like people, people don't know like how hard those two minute videos are to like make Yeah, like the thought of trying to do one of those like consistently like terrifies me. Like I would have no idea what to do. This is so <laughs> yeah. much more structured than yeah. that. And like, also like, I don't know anything about video. You got to learn video stuff, right? Yeah. Like it's what, what you do is so hard. And I don't think people understand that until they try. They don't so like, yes, yeah, absolutely. And I have a lot of opinions on it. Like I, well, I don't want to say, cause it's going to be mean, but yeah, no, I genuinely thank you. Cause it, it's very chaotic. Um, you know, whenever I record, like sometimes it'll literally take me like 10 takes, like no joke. Um, because if I stutter once, like that's a few seconds that I actually need. Cause two minutes and 20 right. seconds is not a lot of time to talk about 48 minutes of basketball. Right. So, no. and I want people to think about that, right? Like you, you're literally taking like 20 minutes to record a two minute video. Yeah perfectly yeah that's like, hard it it's freaking hard and the worst part is when you cover the pistons and people don't care because we lost the game <laughs> and so it gets like 50 likes and you put all this work in it it's like whatever um but uh so anyways i i i know my stories always run long but anyways um so i had i, I randomly asked uh james to come on my show last february um, cause he had quote tweeted one of my recaps and I really appreciated it. Um, for some reason I had a lot of courage to ask a beat writer to come on my show, someone who didn't know who I was. And he did. 
And um, it was weird. Like it, it felt like we were, you know, like actual friends, like we knew each other for a while. Like we had a great conversation um, over the next few months, you know, over the, the hiatus of the league and the, you know, throughout the pandemic, I had James on a few more times, you know, we exchanged numbers. Um, we did have a conversation that I, I don't know if I'm allowed to share it, so I can't, but it led to um, us starting the show. Maybe, maybe Laz, maybe I can tell you that when we get off the, the no, no, okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know if I can say it. So, um, you know, we had been trying to get this show um, to work for, for months and months and months. And it just kind of, it was never the right time. It never materialized. We just always had such great conversations that, you know, we knew it would work. And James was always really big on this idea of, um, you know, having a, a beat writer have their own show, but the co-host is a fan, right? Because then it's two worlds collide and, you know, they can kind of feed each other each, is, uh, each, each side's perspective. Now, I think generally I tend to fall, even though I sort of, I guess, portray myself as a fan, I, I think generally I'm more rational than that. And I think James and I agree on pretty much everything. Laz, I think you and I agree on almost everything because it's like a, a super rudimentary thing. Like I know that 23 year old lineups don't work, right? Like the, the Memphis Grizzlies were an anomaly. Like the kids are fun, but like, let's, we got to have some vets, you know, like things like that. Right. Right. Um, so just to like, literally our first episode dropped on Monday. It was like last Thursday that <laughs> James and I, I just like text, I called James out of the blue and was like, Hey, do you want to do this thing? And he's like, yes. And so we threw together our promo video um, did all this stuff and just a few days later recording and, and pushed it out. We just, uh, we knew people would really enjoy it. And um, we know that we have a lot of interesting things to say. And obviously James has some stories and some nuggets that he's not going to write in stories, but he knows that people will appreciate. So that's my very <laughs> long winded way of telling you why we started the show. No, I, I am a subscriber. Yes. I am a listener. It was a great show. I'm, I'm looking forward to more. Thank you. I got to ask, what was what was the walk me through like the the idea meeting for the opening video, dude, right? Because that that was legit. That <laughs> was that was really good. So um, my girlfriend and I, we were we, we had to run some errands downtown. So for those of you who don't know, I live in Chicago. Um, so we had to go like downtown, like on Michigan Avenue. Right. We had to do some stuff. And uh, we're driving down there and, and James texts me and we we had just gotten off the phone like an hour before and we had agreed that we were going to do this. Um, he had to get clearance like from the athletic that he was allowed to do a podcast outside of the athletic. So we were just waiting on that. We got oh, the confirmation. I, that was another question I was going to ask yeah. offline was like, wh- like, what's the actual like affiliation? So, for this? so yeah, that's yeah, we can we'll, we'll talk about that yeah, later. We'll again, I don't want to say anything, but um, that's a little inside baseball. Like, I don't know if they care about that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess, I guess maybe people don't, but anyways, um, he goes, dude, I need to call you like right now. I have an amazing idea. He's like, do you have two seconds? I go, let me, let, I, we got to park and then I'll, I'll call you. So I'm like walking down Michigan Avenue and he calls me. He's like, I got this great idea. He's like, it's a promo video. Like, it's going to be awesome. Um, and he literally, this, it was all his idea. He's like my sister. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't remember what her major was, but she's like a film major. She just graduated just like record you doing this, 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 and this, send it to me. She's going to throw it together. It's going to be perfect. Um, it was literally, I don't want to take any credit for it. It was all James's idea. Um, it was incredible. little fun fact. I was actually, so there was the one clip for those of you, I don't want to alienate people who haven't seen it, but for those who have, um, there's like the, the side by side of James and I each tying our shoes, right. When we get out of bed. 
fun fact, I was going to put on my white cement Jordan threes, right? Cause like those are amazing, but it's a Pistons podcast. So I was like, I'm going to get shelled if I throw on some Jordans for a Pistons show. Right. Um, but yeah, it was literally just James really excitedly calling me, telling me he had the idea. And I just, I forget that like, he's a writer, like this is his job is to be creative and to mm-hmm. get to work with that is, has been incredible so far. Yeah, man. A, that's a great story. B, that brings me back to some of the internet arguments I've seen about how the Pistons shouldn't have the Jumpman logo on their jerseys. I have a hot take about that. Well, what's your hot take about that? I, I, if you want, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. You can finish it if you like. I just want to say I no, got something no, go in the chamber. It, go for it. it doesn't matter. Who cares? It literally doesn't matter. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page because <laughs> literally, who cares? It's like, guys, Blake is a Jumpman athlete. Yeah. So like, is Jeremy, it, by the way. Is he really? Yeah, he's wearing the threes today. See, I'm not a shoe guy. Like, I can identify a pair of J's, but like, that's it. Yeah, James and I, that's one of the other things we have in common is is we're really good uh, at sneaker talk. We're really good at music talk. Um, there's a future, there's a guest that we might have on soon, hopefully, that may blow people's minds. And I'll leave it at that, but it has to do with music. So, um, but yeah, uh, I, I see yeah, it in but- people. People get all mad that it's like, oh, like I know Jordan, like Jordan won this. Like he after after all the you know the battles they had, Jordan finally won. And it's like I could not care less. It's like guys, that was forty years ago. Yeah, I was. I was was literally. Yeah, I was ten years away from being born. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing I was gonna say is like, see, it's like the shot of you like tying the hair into the bun. It's just like (laughs) genius. Again, his idea. I I don't want to claim any (laughs) any creative um, uh, like direction there. It was literally all him. The the name of the show, which he tried to like he thought it was me that came up with it it was literally him that came up with it um the the bun and cardigan show that was all james the promo video all james um here's a ooh, here's a fun fact i i james might get mad at me for telling you guys this so keep it on the down low everybody listen to this don't tell james this the, uh, james doesn't listen to this podcast it's fine <laughs> we could say anything we want about james <laughs> um the track that we play at the beginning of every episode and the one that we're going to play at the end of every episode, which is going to change every episode, but the intro is always going to be the same. It's the one that we played in the video. James made both of those beats. Now people don't know that about James cause he doesn't like people knowing about it, but he's really, really good. Um, and we've, we've sent each other back and forth, like just some music that we work on. And here's another fun fact. James sent me a beat one time, like a two months ago. And I actually recorded a song with it. So I, I don't know if I'm ever going to release that, but there's a little fun fact for, for people who are, who are listening. Nick, I wish you could see my eyes right now. <laughs> is that a my, good surprise? Is that a good fun? My fact? eyes are so wide. Yeah. I'm like, I, I need to hear this song. I don't think people would like it is the thing. It's it's I don't know that they would. I, I think that I don't want them to think it's some like Pistons theme song. No, it's like an angsty uh, yeah, 22 year old song. Well, so, you know, Shamik, right? Sure. Yeah. You know Shmeek DJs, right? I do know that. Yeah, he's, he's quite yeah. good. I listen to his mixes on SoundCloud. His, his SoundCloud mixes are really, really good. Yeah, no, for sure. So I think that I think there's room for everybody to kind of flower and be more than just like a Pistons fan and still be part of like Pistons Twitter. Sure. And still be under the umbrella. Like, yeah, I don't know. We do have a lot of musicians in Pistons Twitter. Uh, Jordan, uh, Pistons Thoughts, he's one. 
Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's got some tracks on Apple Music. Um, and then uh, what is D- Detroit Kool Aid? I'm pretty sure he also. I think it's him. I, I I'm gonna feel really bad if I'm wrong. Somebody else does. Um, but I don't remember who. But we got some musicians. It's real. Again, keep the James thing on the down low, everybody. Don't don't flood his mentions with it because he doesn't like people knowing for some reason, even though he's really good. Uh, let's okay. Let's. I'm gonna let's talk about like the actual Pistons. Sure. For like two for for two seconds. So we talked a little bit about Killian earlier. I didn't really get your thoughts on the whole Killian thing. How are how are you feeling about knowing that Killian's a not going to get surgery? be out for at least the next eight weeks and see it's not like a dis it's not what it's not a hip strain right. it's not like a labral tear it's a suplexia a su- suplexation yeah i'm not a doctor <laughs> so it, it, that's kind of what i was gonna say so on point one and point three i kind of all i can say is like it sounds like it's a lot better than they thought it could have been um, you know, the not needing surgery thing, I can only assume that that's good. Um, people were worried that it's like the same injury that Isaiah Thomas had. Apparently, that's not true anymore. Um, you know, in terms of him coming back and what his timeline is, you know, just because he's being obviously reevaluated in eight weeks does not mean he's returning in eight and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could be like, hey, you know, we're just going to shut him down for the year, give him, you know, nine months to recover from the time that he originally went out. You know, my thing with him, um, obviously, you know, he gets drafted. Laz, you were, I got to give you credit because you were one of, if not like the first person that I saw on the Killian train, if I'm not mistaken, like a while, like a like a, maybe a year ago. Is that right? Yeah, it was like me and Tyler Mormon. Yes. Were like the only two people at first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'll give myself a little bit of credit because it was January 11th, I think, of last year that I was my first Halliburton to Detroit tweet. So that's not, and I'm not saying I, I wish we drafted Halliburton. I'm just saying like, I, at least I was right about a point guard early on, um, mm-hmm. you know, being good. But, you know, as far as the killing thing goes, you know, he gets drafted and it's like maybe the, you know, as a general consensus, the happiest the Pistons fans have been about a pick. Um, I, I honestly, God, I, I can't remember. Like, when was the last time you felt the reception for killing that you did for another player? That's a great question. I, I, um, I couldn't give you an answer. Like, People were kind of excited about Seku or Seku, but like a lot of people hadn't seen him play, right? And so that was that was tricky. A lot of uh, people, and, the 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 people being afraid of foreign players was still kind of a thing. So. Yeah, yeah, and like there was a lot of uh, like the the mock none of the mock drafts had him falling to fifteen. So like I I honestly like didn't do a super amount of research on Seku. Because I thought he would be gone in the top ten, and you know I was trying to focus on guys I thought would be there at fifteen. Yeah, like Cam, we like he and Cam Johnson pretty much flipped. <laughs> yeah, but actually, or, though, like, or like Rui, right? Rui, like Rui. yeah, Rui yeah, is the yeah. other one. Like the the Wizards didn't meet with him, and they were like, "We're gonna draft you though," and he was like, "I don't know who you people are, but yeah." <laughs> Rui seems like a nice young man. No, he's, like, yeah. he's great. Like I I really do enjoy him. Um, but on, just on the on the on the killing thing you know obviously everybody's super excited expectations were not being weathered whatsoever um including myself like i didn't help i was one of the people yeah. that were like you know I, I tweeted several times like the pistons have a guy who could win rookie of the year like that's how you know serious i was about how good he was going to be i kept saying you know he's going to start fast you know coming out the gate he's going to be amazing then he's going to hit a rookie wall as they all do by the end of the year we're going to see what we have it took me about a week before i was like 
I'm going to give this guy until like year three for me to start making some actual like decisions on how I feel about him. I still love him um, unconditionally. I still full heartedly believe that he can be everything that we want him to be. Um, If he starts eliminating the sidesteps and the step backs and just pulls up like a normal person um, or actually, you know, takes a catch and shoot and like follows through with it. I'll be happy with that. Um, If he can actually, you know, beat someone off the dribble, I'll be happy with that. I haven't questioned his passing ability. I don't like that. He dribbles into chaos with no plan. Um, And that's, you know, I think by year three, I'm and I, I have a, a longer leash than most people will because people are already out on him because you know Pistons fans. But um, I'm not like worried about him. Um, so in terms of like how I feel about his injury, I'm devastated. Those cursed Bucks always taking things from us. Um, but I know he's gonna be okay. I just I you really realize that first game the killing's not there. You're like you realize how big of a percentage he was for the reason that you watch Pistons games. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he's not out there and you're like, uh, who am I excited to see tonight? Um, uh, yeah. When, like last week when D Rose was hurt and they were playing like Frank Jackson and oh, Saban Lee. Yeah. It's like, like this was these like, this was supposed to be my like 30 minutes a night yeah. of Killian, like yeah. ahead of schedule. And that's and it's just not happening. And, and until that like five second window, when Saban Lee tried to end Brooke Lopez's career, <laughs> I, I, I haven't gasped like that in an NBA game. And I don't know how long, I think maybe since like Steph's OKC shot, I haven't gasped like that. And the ball, but by the way, the shot didn't even go in the dunk. He, he missed, but it was like the audacity of him to rise up like that was like, okay. It's like, he thinks he can do that. Yeah. Like that's a good sign. I love nothing it. else. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, no. So the thing I, I feel bad with Killian is like, because I was first on the train and I was pretty loud about it, but um, I never thought. He would. I thought he would come in right away and play differently, but I, uh, I didn't think that he would be like a rookie of the year type, gotcha. only because I never thought he would play enough minutes to get rookie of the year. Right? Like you, I thought like I thought the starting thing was nice, but like we knew D Rose was going to play like at least twenty five minutes a night. Sure. And so I never thought that like he would. I never thought he would get to the counting stats basically to to get to rookie of the year. Um, the thing I was worried about the most with him was the shot, right? And it seemed like he had spent a lot of time during the offseason, like fixing the catch and shoot and not like fixing the pull up. Yeah. But the pull up is what makes you special from yeah. a point guard prospect perspective. And so it's like, oh, you like, I understand why you did that. Like your first year, if you take and miss a bunch of pull up shots, like you're not going to play under Dwayne Casey. It's like, I get it. But yeah, it was, that was really disappointing. Yeah. And I, I yeah. mean, he's got a nice floater. I don't know what his percentage is on it this year. And he but... can get into the paint, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's not like blowing past guys on the dribble, but like he can still get into the paint. Like you look at his, his like pretty meager shot chart for the year. And like a lot of those attempts, you know, 10 foot, eight foot floaters are still in the paint. So he can get there. It's just like turning that into, free throws, turning that into like uh, opening up like passing lanes for the bigs, turning that into uh, like layups that aren't with your left hand. 
Those, yeah. those are things that are going to need to come, which is why I'm a little bit worried about him uh, missing a lot of time. For sure. Because, like, it's early. I think, um, I mean, you know, you being someone who was, you mentioned, first on the Killian train, does that mean, do you feel that you now have to be last off, right? Like, you were clamoring. I don't want to say clamoring because it makes you sound, you know, but you did say yeah. you were the loudest. So, I guess for all intents and purposes, like, do you feel like because you were there first that you have to be sort of the, the one that turns off the lights last to leave god forbid if it doesn't go the way yeah. that we think it is uh there is a little bit of that there is a lot of like sunk cost fallacy happening like right now in my head like some uh like after the lamello near triple double i had people like asking me if i would still take killian over lamello and my answer is like a like not up to the pistons that choice was not available yeah. to them yeah. and like b like personally like yes i would still do that but like I don't run the front office, so yeah. I mean, I think people have every right um, to do that with Halliburton. I, I really do. But you know, the reality is that although that contingency was there, that pocket of people who wanted Halliburton was there. Um, matter of fact, on draft night, I'm sorry, on lottery night, uh, when we find out that we have seven, I was thinking like, okay, it's probably going to be Halliburton because I thought Killian was going to go earlier. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I had convinced myself it was going to be Halbert. I was going to be happy either way. I really desperately wanted Killian instead. Um, I'm still not going to have buyer's remorse on Killian, right? Like it, Halliburton, I think, is probably going to win Rookie of the Year. He's a guy who I think he's probably the only player in this class, which, by the way, people said it was going to happen, and I didn't believe them. We were wrong. This class is actually pretty good. These kids are good. All of them. Not all of them, but like we talked about how bad this draft class was. They're fun. Right. But I yeah. think Halliburton is the only player who can play with literally anybody and it's not going to matter. Yeah. My thing is my thing with Halliburton is and was and is currently like you, you were drafting him to kind of like play off of your, your best guy. Sure. You're drafting him to like play off of Blake. You were drafting him to play off of Jeremy, which none of us thought was going to happen at the time, but like, that's what would have ended up happening. And it's like the, the thought of Halliburton trying to play off Blake like now, uh, that yeah, that no, might not that. go, yeah, the way people thought it was going to go, um, and so like yeah, the the upside play was always Killian, and that high in the draft, you do the upside play more sure. often than you don't. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, I and I asked this. I, I actually, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, we look at the draft that Troy Weaver had. Saban Lee is like that's just Jordan Bone to me, but. Um, in principle, they're not the same player. You get what I mean? Yeah. 19-year-old Jordan Bone said 23-year-old Jordan Bone. It blew my mind that um, Bruce Brown and Jordan Bone were on the floor together in the same game. Like Magic versus Nets, they were like guarding each other. I was in disbelief that that was a real thing that was happening. I couldn't believe it. But anyways, um, you look at the draft. Killian, Sadiq, Isaiah. Now, the Sadiq Bay thing is very bittersweet to me because... You know, at the time that the pick was made, I understood. Yeah, you have, uh, you have uh, a lot of thoughts about that. Uh, I still haven't gotten them all out, but because there's just so many. And, you know, at the time that the pick was made, I knew exactly who Sadiq Bey was and how massive it was that we were able to get him where we did. You know, the Isaiah Stewart one is the one that people question. turns out that they were wrong so far. But do you think, because I think if you ask most people, they're going to say Sadiq Bey is the best rookie on this team. How long would you spend personally arguing that it's Isaiah Stewart? Over Sadiq. Yeah. 
I mean, I would just show them the offensive rebounding numbers. <laughs> so does, <laughs> right? I mean, like, do you, do you think that he is, I guess is another question to that. I think like right now, I think Isaiah is the one with a, with the clearest path to playing time. He's the one with the most uh, distinct role. It's like you, his, his job is very simple go out there like rebound the basketball prevent them from rebounding the basketball like finish finish end of around list the yeah yeah and end of list right and then it's like also on there like be more productive than julia local for whereas sadiq bay is like you got to be better than delon you got to be better than josh you got to be better than his feet like the list is longer and obviously as you mentioned the the task list right the, the, the to-do list for him um you know james mentioned this the other day like he's tasked with defending really strong perimeter players really strong wings like he had to guard jalen brown Right, yeah. the offensive nightmare that is Jalen Brown. That's a tough ask for Sadiq. The, that was the literal example I was going to use. I'm so sorry. Or, I mean, just <laughs> no, no, no. The other like, they had him guarding Giannis yeah. on the perimeter, yeah. and it's like, why are you doing that to this kid? Yeah. Like he doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Nobody deserves that. But yeah, I mean, because Stewart is the one with like the most clearly defined role, he's the one who's able to like fill it the best. And so, like for now that probably makes him the best rookie, you know, like three years from now, like who knows. Right. But for now, yeah, absolutely. Stewart's the Stewart's the best rookie. Do you think there's anything there with Servitas? I don't know if Eli listens to this show, so tread lightly. (laughs) Uh, I can handle Eli. (laughs) I think there, I think there could be, I think, I think it was the, I think it was worth the shot. At uh, what was he thirty seven? Like if you yeah. if you find a three and D wing at thirty seven, like that's that's a great pick. So like, sure, it's absolutely worth the shot. Um, the the cheap the cheap shots from like John Hollinger about like how he's like four years away from being four years away and like the, Lithu- <laughs> the Lithuanian league is like like sure man like whatever. But like if he's six eight and can shoot the crap out of the ball, like. We we've seen with Duncan Robinson that like if you're six eight and can shoot the crap out of the ball, that's extremely valuable and like yeah. we can do stuff with that. Yeah. We've seen with like Joe Harris. Like Joe Harris was sort of considered a bust. Like he floated around the league uh before he like finally started to find his way. And like what turned his career around was like the ability to make shots. Yeah. And so it's like if this kid can make shots off movement, if he can make shots off the catch at a really high clip. Then like that's a valuable player. That's when it's worth the look at thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree at all. I, 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 I so I know how how long your episodes usually run. So, run, so I'm assuming you're going to want to wrap up soon. So I'm going to ask you a question because you haven't. I don't think you've released an episode since this news came out. Um, I'm curious to know your thoughts on the Kevin Porter Jr. thing because a lot of Pistons fans seem to think the answer is yes on him. I have very mm-hmm. strong opinions on it though. So. I have heard things from people uh, about the Kevin Porter Jr. thing. Sure. And it would, it makes me cautious, but I do think there is, there are definitely going to be some NBA teams who are interested. Um, If you, if you look at the way that Troy Weaver composes himself and is openly spoke about the way he wants the team to be composed. Yeah. You like wouldn't even ask if the Pistons would go after Kevin Porter Jr. Thank because you. you know that they wouldn't be interested in, it, in him. It takes a very elementary level 
of understanding um, of literally what you just mentioned of how this team is being structured to understand that it is a fundamentally bad idea. And I have, again, I have very strong opinions on this. I'm going to, maybe this is mean to do. I'm going to give my full thoughts on the Bun and Cardigan show releasing this Friday. Um, <laughs> and James is going to, I'm, I'm going to ask you to plug your stuff, right? <laughs> um, I mainly want to bring it up because I think James's insight is going to, I, I imagine it's going to mirror pretty much exactly what you said. And we all kind of agree. Um, I just know that the Lakers are going to get them. And then Rob Polink is going to win exec of the year. Like it's going to happen. Wouldn't you, you know, the thing would be you go to Portland cause that's closer to home, right? You're like, he's a Seattle kid. Sure. Yeah. Like in, you, he's got it the worked, familiar hey, environment or whatever. It, it worked, worked for out. Josh. Right. Yeah. Like it worked for my favorite thing. My favorite quote maybe of the season was, I don't remember. I don't remember who asked it, but they were like, Hey Josh, like we are a few weeks into the season. Like Josh has been playing really well. And they're like, so you're home now. Like, is, is this, you know, contributing to why you've been playing so well? And he goes, yeah, man. Like I come home from practice and like my mom, like makes me lunch. Like that's, and, it, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like that's, first of all, that's actually pretty adorable. Like just knowing that like you just go home from like, NBA practice your mom just makes you lunch and you know it's turned him into a, a better basketball player and the sort of um reinstatement I guess program that he was going through in Memphis clearly has helped him a lot um mm-hmm. felt like it was going the right way for Kevin Porter Jr. who I, I sincerely hope you know he ends up being okay because it, it devastates me but um you know and, and I never want it to sound like we're being like the you know hey we tried to tell you about the character issues thing like that's not obviously what yeah, i'm trying yeah, to do not, no one, no one was hoping like no. this would be the case but right? no not at all but it is sort of like a well you know like we you know but again like some of the things that he like he posted he, he had posted on instagram a few months ago were like really saddening and troubling um and he just kind of keeps finding himself in these situations that um are just unfortunate and they just devastate you as a basketball player the talents there um i think kobe altman has done a tremendous job sort of accumulating these guys over the last few years with, with Jetty and Windler um, and, you know, KPJ and Sexton and Garland and, and a Coro. And, Oh my God, Isaac Okoro. I love him so much. He, yeah. I, uh, the, the Cavs are building like along the same track as what the Pistons are trying to build with like, with, uh, with character concerns, with uh defensive mindset, like yeah, with absolutely. Uh, like a know your role type of situation. And we're seeing for them, like their vets are better than our vets. So it's having more success. Yes. No, I, you're, I, I have never thought of it this way. Like the way that you're laying it out, you are 1000% right. Like that is absolutely the case. Um, watching them not under John Beeline makes me happy because they actually run plays and, and believe yeah. it or not, I think that that's actually some productive basketball. Um, it, it's, it's counterintuitive to run a basketball team the way that John Beeline ran the Cavs. Um, that's another story I have. I, I don't want to get in track. I don't want to get in trouble. I can't tell that on here, but um, yeah, no watching that Cavs team, you know, I, I, I watch Isaac Okoro and the guy defends like he has four arms. It's insane. It's absolute insanity. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't think that you'd get as much enjoyment out of them as you, as you can, but I love them. They are, they are an extremely funky team to watch. The NBA is the NBA is tough, right? Because, um, a lot of teams play very similar styles of basketball, right? It's uh, it's get get paint touches, use those paint touches to create open looks from three, rinse, repeat, right? Um, 
And then you get teams that just like play like way, way differently <laughs> than everybody else. Yep. Cavs. Cavs play like a real funky style of basketball. Like the uh, last year's version of the Pacers um, under Nate McMillan. Sure. They played a really funky style of basketball. It was inefficient, but it was still it was still like a breath of like weird air because it was just so much different than what everybody else in the league was doing. The yeah. Raptors. The Raptors, because like Nick Nurse knows he's or Nick Nurse thinks he's like God's gift to coaching and he won a championship in his first year, so you can't tell him anything. He's just willing to try a bunch of like weird stuff. And like now Chris Boucher is like a six man of the year candidate. Yeah. And it's like it's, it's it's just it's a it's a different watch than a lot of other NBA teams. Sure. And Stanley turned into the reclamation project of the ages, which is um I think if it happened two years earlier, it would have been infuriating. But I think we're at a point where it's like, all right, I'm happy for him. Like, whatever. Yeah. It's okay. No, I'm happy for him. I, I think he and like OG just like fuse bodies at halftime. <laughs> and like they fuse and like the talent like balances out between them. Yeah. And they're like, okay, like we have a shared pool of like 48 minutes of talent tonight. Like, how do we use this? Sure. That's how that goes. Yeah. Um, you know, you brought up the paces. I just want to add this. Why aren't people talking about the absolute buzzsaw that they're going to be in the playoffs this year? Look at that roster top to bottom. You got Malcolm Brogdon, who's playing like an MVP candidate. You have Sabonis, who's one of the best big men in the league, right? Has probably a, a, a Malcolm Brogdon, DeMontis Sabonis pick and roll is arguably the best in the league. They can also pick and pop. They have the Holiday Twins. They have um, TJ McConnell, right? He's still there. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I was thinking of TJ Leaf. That's why it was confusing me. Um, TJ Leaf, not there anymore. Yeah, TJ, that's why I was confused. Um, they, ha- I'm, I'm totally blanking on everybody now. Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, when he gets back, which to me, Karis and TJ Warren is just you have two TJ Warrens. That's just all that, which is not a bad thing, by the way. That's amazing. I just feel like mm-hmm. they have so much scoring that, like, imagine a, a I don't, what, what's Indiana going to be a five seed? Imagine that in the second round, like Brooklyn versus Indiana. I mean, those games are going to be like 130 point affairs. I know, like, if I was, like, Boston, I would be scared to death to play them. Not because, like, I don't think I can beat them, but because, like, they're going to make this seven-game series, like, miserable. They're going to wear you out, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. defensively, I trust Jalen, um, and and honestly, I, I when was – are you as excited about those two as I, as, as I am, Tatum and, and Brown? The Jays? Yeah. yeah, like, for the next, like, 10 years of basketball? Are you kidding me? I was I was so wrong on Tatum. <laughs> I don't know that I, was... I thought he was. Ju- I thought he was just Tobias Harris, and like now he like he was he was Tobias Harris's rookie year, yeah. and like now he's like better. And it's like oh, like I was I, so wrong. I kid. I said this a few um, weeks ago. It was because we played the Celtics back to back. I think so. It was the game that we won, which was the first one. Um, that's right, because it was the second game that Jason Tatum hit the game winner from the left elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the first game that we won, and I said, "Bring me Bill Simmons' head on a platter." That. I pointed this out because I say it all the time. Jason Tatum's dribble is terrible. Like usually the uh, someone will send the ball back down to the floor around their hip, right? If not lower. Nah, like Tatum lets that thing right up to his chest and then he puts it back down and somehow he protects it super well and never gets swiped. I do not understand it at all, but I just him and Brandon Ingram just became offensive nightmares overnight. And then Jalen Brown was just also like me too. I can hit any shot from anywhere on the floor. And I, I thought for sure that like Josh Jackson was going to be better than Jason Tatum. Oof. Yeah, it was, that's a that's a, that's a miss on on my part. But I, hey, like you know, I'm 
I'm happy with how that ended out, all things considered, right? Like, Josh is here now. Like, that's sure. pretty much all I've ever wanted since he was in high school. I tried desperately to um, get Luke to recruit Jason Tatum. <laughs> I, But he was very good, believe it or not. I'm not even saying this to be nice. He was very good about not tampering. <laughs> I said, because um, I, I, you knew how big I was on the Harry Giles thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I which, did. to this day, I... Right, do connection. I never made that there connection. You, yeah. There you go. You, the, the the gears are spinning for you as they did for me, friend. Because I'm sitting. We were literally just like playing uh, video games, and I said to him, "I go because him and uh, I, I really enjoy uh, his cousin AJ. Him and I are friends too. So I, I was just talking to him because he asked me who we should get in free agency. I go, well, Harry Giles is like my my number one. Like it's not close. And Luke said something. I go, oh my god, you guys went to Duke. He goes, we did. I go. I need you to, cause at the time Troy wasn't a thing. I go, mm-hmm. I need you to call Ed and like make this happen. And he like laughed and said something. I go, wait a minute. I go, Luke, you know who else you played with at Duke? And he goes, who? And it's really a who's who, like it's a dartboard of amazing names, but I go, you played with Jason Tatum. So do you mean to tell me that Jason Tatum is coming to Detroit? And he like, <laughs> he just kind of like shrugged it off and he laughed. Um, so I did try Pistons fans, guys. I tried, I tried to get Tatum and Harry Giles to Detroit. Um, I'm sorry that it neither of you those know, turned out. And yeah, Luke's not even here anymore, the, by the way. Yeah, the lure of the five-year uh, max contract extension just just too much for, yeah. for me. <laughs> Nicholas Henkel, thank you so much for recording this with me. We're going to have to do this again for sure. Uh, have people in, in case people already forgot the name of the podcast do you want to tell it to them one more time yeah so the name of the show um launched by myself and james edwards this last monday um is called the bun and cardigan show we are available on apple podcast and spotify um we will be dropping episodes every monday and friday um yeah it's a great show i think we're gonna have um, a lot of really good guests lined up in the future laz will also be on there eventually um i don't know when but I did talk to James about this and I'm not, again, I'm not just saying this to be nice to you last. Cause I know I mentioned this before we started recording. I'm dead serious. You'll be on the show. Don't worry. All right. I, I feel no pressure, right? Like that's, that's really all I can ask for. Uh, <laughs> of course, uh, everyone still listening to this podcast can follow me on Twitter at last chance. That's at L a Z C H a N C E. You can listen to my other podcast, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, on the same podcast platform you are listening to this podcast on. This podcast is the Pistons versus Everybody podcast, and we will talk to you guys next week. See ya.